Welcome to the Oklahoma drill. Uh, Ryan and Alex here back with Nathan once more to give you a little bit more of our OU football 2019-2020 season preview. Um, still going position group by position group. We're going to talk about um, today the guys who line up on the outside of the tackles. Um, usually. And there's a lot of them and, you know, they do all do fun, different things. Uh, where are we going to start? Uh, well, I mean, I think if, you know, you're talking receiver at Oklahoma, the, the guy you're going to start with is CD lamb. Um, he was last seen just victimizing a five-star cornerback against Alabama. Um, yeah, he, poor Pat, Pat Sertain. He, uh, <laughs> He got kind yeah. of taken advantage of. Mm. Can we talk about, like, in the two playoff games, C.D. Lamb was, like, especially in the most recent one, he just, like, he rose to the level of competition. Like, he really played well in both of those games. Oh, yeah. It's like he, like, took the challenge, and he might have been the best player on the field against Alabama. Well, with the exception of uh, the defensive tackle, whose name escapes me at the moment. Um, Quentin Williams. Williams. Yeah, he was... He was the best player on the field. So maybe the second best player on the field. But still, he played right. he had an excellent game. He was OU's best player against Bama, absolutely. Yeah, well, and beyond that, like, he just, he the way he finished the season last year was really, really good. You know, he had some huge catches against Texas and just some really impressive stuff mm-hmm. um, against Texas in the game before the Alabama game. And, you know, I think that he's, you know, seemingly coming into his third year and he's like fully focused on being a first round pick. Yeah. That's I, you know, clearly like that's what he has on his mind. His body has developed pretty substantially just from last season. You know, you see pictures of him and he's gotten pretty big. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I've always thought that that was like the thing he had to like improve. Right. Cause like as a freshman, he was really good and he, you know, he had great hands. He made great catches, but like he could get kind of muscled out of some stuff and I right. think that, you know, last year he was improved in that area. And I, I just look for him to take another step in that specific area. But, like, otherwise, like, you know, C.D. Lamb, you pretty much know what you're getting, right? You're getting a guy who is going to catch everything's thrown his way. You know, you can throw jump balls up to him. It's great on, like, back shoulder type throws. Um, you know, he's not a guy that you're, you know, really worried about burning teams deep consistently. Yeah. He's like, not- he's not – He's not, he's not a long speed guy. Yeah, he's right. not a long, right. but a deep threat sort of guy. But he's a uh, like every every mock draft, and it, it's obscenely early to even see mock drafts at this point. But the kind of the consensus I've seen is like Jerry Judy's number one, Lavisca Chenault is number two, and then it's this kind of a you know who, whoever you, certain teams just kind of fall in love with after those two. And I think right. CD has a. I mean, CD kind of is hovering in that high teens, 20s area, um, which is kind of exciting, honestly, for from a fan perspective, because that means that he could go to a really good team um, yeah, and, and be an integral part of their offense. So that part's exciting from yeah. um, just seeing him succeed at the next level perspective. But I can definitely see him being maybe the third wide receiver uh, drafted next year. And with a really so- good year, maybe he could jump LaVisca Chanel. I don't know. Well, so much of that is going to happen. Like if he winds up running like a respectable, you know, low four fives or high, even high four fours, 
Like if he runs a faster time than maybe you would expect him to run, Mm -hmm. then I think you're looking at him being able to really solidly move into a first round. But like, honestly, like I don't think it really matters what he does on the field this year. Like they know what kind of receiver he is. Right. You know, it's really going to come down to like, what does he run on at the combine or at the pro day? Like he's got to prove that he has breakaway speed and I'm not super convinced that he has it, but he's got to prove that 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 is the case for him to really truly be like a you know like you said jump Lavisca Chenault um, or you know get in the same ballpark as Jerry Judy. Um, but overall, like I mean, I think that he could have like a statistically pretty insane year because um, looking thinking back to like what Jalen Hurts did at Alabama and. You know, maybe this was just an Alabama thing and, you know, play calling had a lot to do with it. But it really seemed like Alabama always had one receiver that would kind of get the bulk of the of the targets in the yards. And I think that at least to start this season, I, I expect C.D. Lamb to be that guy for OU. Like I expect him to be the guy that Jalen leans on for the most part, you know, especially early in the year. And it could wind up, you know, giving him some pretty ridiculous stats. Yeah, he's the, I mean, he's the unquestioned number one threat this year. Um, and so it's really about, you know, does he have a Didi Westbrook sort of year where it's just obviously him and then just kind of a, you know, kind of an even distribution after him or do other guys, is there a clear number two kind of step up, whether it's Charleston Rambo or, you know, one of the, one of the tight ends or whoever, or is it just, you know, someone like, if I remember right, is D.D. Westbrook at like 1,600 yards, and then everyone else was like 400, you know, a, a big gap between number one and number two. Yeah, no, that's been a pretty, I mean, just think about all the guys we've had. Like, Sterling had some years where he was by far the best guy, you know, yardage-wise. Yeah. Ryan Broyles, obviously, mm-hmm. was kind yeah. of in that, in that mold as well. But um, I tend to think that, you know, the talent surrounding CD and, and Jalen Hurts is so high that I don't think it's going to be like he's, you know, miles higher, you know, yardage wise than everybody else. But I do think early in the season, he might build a pretty big cushion with with Jalen yeah. probably just being more comfortable with him than everybody else. Yeah, I could yeah. certainly see that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I'm looking up Alabama's stats. I'm trying to find. Who uh, their top receiver was in 2016? Looks like it might have been. I mean, their top receiver, I think, Ardarius Stewart with 864 yards. So yeah, I mean, it was, you know, Ardarius Stewart, and I think that was Calvin Ridley, maybe as a freshman or right. sophomore. Yeah, so it was the. It was they didn't have anybody that was you know, of CDs. I mean, Calvin Ridley would eventually be that guy, but it'll be really interesting to see if Jalen Hurts and CD can kind of immediately get into that, you know, um, elite quarterback wide receiver, um, you know, relationship, you know, kind of like how Kyler was last year, uh, Baker was uh, with Didi, those kind of, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Because yeah, they, sure. they, they can certainly, um, there, there's no until maybe Texas or TCU. There's no secondary that um, should be able to stand up to them if they're on that uh, on that plan immediately out of the gate. Um, just looking back to last year. 
Yeah, so uh, let's let's go ahead and move over to the other side of the field. Ryan, do you have anything last things about CDOM you wanted to say? Uh, no, except I'm just. I mean, I'm really excited to see him. Uh, see what he can do as you know, genuine wide receiver one. I think. Yeah. Um, you know, you had said, and I agree that you know, in the Alabama game, he was certainly um, probably the most. Uh, looked at times like the best player on the field. Um, I really, you know, he didn't have Hollywood speed, which is, you know, a really unimpeachable asset. Um, but other than that, I think that CD was in a lot of ways the best receiver on the team last year. And it's exciting to get to consider what it's going to look like now that he is the primary target. One thing, um, one thing I want to add is, uh, I, th- I think the NFL teams will really like about him is his uh, blocking, his perimeter blocking. Oh, absolutely. He's an extremely willing blocker. Um, right. And I think that kind of rubs off on the wide receiver room as well, which is good because I'm glad that the freshman group that um, is coming in this year will have a chance to be with a year to kind of study underneath him and hopefully that willingness uh, passes down to them as well because it's something that, opens up a lot of runs in the second level. Yeah. Perimeter blocking is, I mean, it's really been crucial to this team since, um, really since, like, I guess the second half of 2015 when Lincoln really started running the ball. At that point, like, it became really clear that perimeter blocking was something that was just going to be a part of this offense. Um, and, you know, CD has, I mean, I think about, and it's not all, impact blocks he's just a really solid blocker but obviously i think about the big block he had in the uh, sugar bowl last year um and yeah he's i mean great catch rate radius very physical um mm-hmm. which describes a lot of the young guys so i think that he's going to be a really good example for them moving forward sure yeah all right, let's move over to the opposite side of the field. The guy that, you know, this guy, this role has been filled by some of the fastest players in college football the last, you know, really three years with D.D. Westbrook and Marquise Brown. Um, and that, that role is probably, in all likelihood, going to be filled by Charleston Rambo this year. Um, this is a guy that, you know, obviously we all remember the amazing catch that he had against Alabama where he, blew the top off the defense and Kyler made like the best throw that's ever been made. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Well, Charleston Rambo was the guy that made it possible on the other end by getting behind the Alabama defense. So, you know, clearly showcased his speed. Um, I don't think any of us are under the, you know, we're not under the illusion that he is as fast as Marquise Brown or DD Westbrook. Like, I just, I don't see that with him, but I do feel like he is going to be plenty fast. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talked about on the last podcast that this, this offense is going to might be a little bit more run heavy. And like, I, I think he's more than capable of taking advantage of a lot of play action situations to where he's going to be able to get over the top of the defense. Um, Especially we don't play, we don't play any really elite defenses. So um, I, I think Charleston Rambo is going to have a big year. Our friend Sam wanted to make sure that we we mentioned Charleston Rambo. So um, shouts to Sam. Sam, very high on Charleston Rambo. Also a great name. Yeah, yeah. excellent name. Uh, and 
I mean, like you said, I don't think anyone expects him to be Mar- expects him to be Marquise Brown fast, but he's just about every time a reporter asks, you know, the players who's the fastest player on the team, he's one of the two or three names that pops up. So, I mean, he might not be a fourth three two, you know, some ludicrously fast guy, but he's probably still in the four fours. So, and that's plenty fast enough uh, for especially someone like Lincoln to. Um, draw up plays, you know, schematically get him in situations where he can take the top off of defense. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I also well, just, whenever I think of Charleston Rambo, I think about uh, him as a recruit and how he and CD, like, we forget, I think, because CD was so clearly ready just as soon as he stepped foot on campus. Um, and, uh, like, obviously, you know, Rambo redshirted and even, you know, saw limited playing time in these past two years. Um, it's, uh, you know, he was putting up numbers in high school that were similarly ridiculous. Like, he was shouldering a similarly insane offensive load in high school. So he's got talent, and I'm really excited uh, to see him, you know, use this opportunity to demonstrate it. Right, and he was doing that at the highest level in Texas, too. Like right. CD was at the second highest, and yeah, but Charleston Rambo was at the highest level um, in Texas. So, yeah, he's obviously a super talented guy. Um, and I, like like Nathan said, every time it's brought up, like, who's the speed guy, they're all like, oh, it's going to be Charleston. You know, like, it's mm-hmm. he's the guy expected to fill that role. Um, to me, for him, really, I think he would have played a lot more the last, you know, especially last year, but I think consistency, you know, that I remember coaches talking about it last year. Like he's a guy that will make catches that remind you of CD lamb. Like he'll do the one handed ridiculousness. And if you ever watch him in warmups, like he'll just reach up there and, you know, grab one out of the air with one hand. Like he has no problem doing that. Um, but then, you know, he'll drop a bubble screen pass or something, you know, it's just, yeah, I think it's a touchdown against Baylor, I think it was, that were yeah, just wide open. Exactly. Baylor, we threw the, you know, I think it was Nick Basquin threw a perfect pass. Right. And hit him right in the hands. Hit him right in the hands, and he just dropped it. So I think it's it's really going to be about can he be consistent, you know, making the easy catches. Because I think um, I'm pretty comfortable with what he'll do on, you know, and he'll probably make some pretty difficult catches. Um, but I, I want to see him be consistent and not be a guy that, you know, is limited on the field because of inconsistency. So, um, and it'll, it will be interesting as well because I assume he's a great, he's going to be a good blocker because that's kind of required at OU. And we have the mm-hmm. talent to kind of force guys to be complete players because if you're not, there's a guy behind you that's going to be the complete player that they want. So, um, I, I assume that he'll, he'll fill that role. He'll be more physically equipped than Marquise Brown was. Um, to do that, obviously, but um, yeah, no, I'm excited to see him play. I think he's going to have a really big season. I, you know, kind of, kind of hoping he doesn't have like too big of a season so he can come back for his junior year. But um, yeah, yeah, so ho- hopefully he kind of establishes himself and he's able to kind of, you know, make you know establish himself as the guy that is going to replace CD next season. So yeah, I'd like to see um, him have like. I don't know, a 700 yard season or something. Right. You know, so he's not, you know, pushing NFL talk just yet, <laughs> but that's purely <laughs> selfish. 
Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, for him and it, for for the team, it'd be great if he comes out and has a thousand yards. Oh, for sure. But, yeah. You know, I, I would I would like to get a couple years um, of production out of him, and you know, so that'll be interesting to see. And you know, we might look midway through the season, and this conversation is going to sound ridiculous because he is dropping everything. You know, so sure. It, yeah. There's yeah. really no way to know. He had a really good close to the year, but it was still just like a few catches. So right. we don't really know if he's going to be able to take that next step. But you'd have to think, you know, the success he had against Alabama, the big third down conversion he had against Texas. Like those are kind of the usually whenever players kind of take that next step, you kind of see it in those sorts of scenarios the preceding year. Um, mm-hmm. You kind of see gl- glimpses of it. So the logical next step would be him to become a steady, you know, um, tertiary, secondary uh, role player. Um, maybe the uh, the back the number two guy the CD this year and then go on. Um, right. That would be the next logical next step for him to take. And yeah, to be that, he's, go ahead. He's got the talent to do it, and you oh, know sure. maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I took the fact that they let him be one of the receivers for Kyleish Pro Day as a really good thing. Not so much mm-hmm. because I think it like matters, but like. You know, I think that it's a pretty clear sign that he's doing what he is supposed to do in this offseason because I don't think that they would have trusted someone that is still being inconsistent and not doing everything he needs to do to, you know, catch in Kyler's freaking pro day if he weren't doing that those things. So I took that as a good sign that, like, he is pointed in the right direction and he's kind of building off what he uh, how he finished last season. So him and Jarvis Baxter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, great player. <laughs> great player, Jarvis Baxter. Big fan. Um, all right, let's let's move on. There's a couple more guys that are not freshmen. We'll save the freshmen for last because those are those are the big the five stars. So uh the next guy I want to talk about, there's been a little bit of interesting stuff going on lately surrounding this guy, but Jaqueline Crawford. Um you know, I think that a lot of people, when he signed with OU, it was like, oh, that makes so much sense. He is a, he's an elite speed guy that, you know, he's going to go in and take over for Hollywood Brown when he, you know, goes pro or graduates. Um, recently, there has been some, some speculation surrounding him because of some interesting follows he's made on Twitter. He's followed some other schools wide receivers coaches so you know that you know really it's kind of it's awful that this is what we have to do but like yeah you know they're usually that is a really good place to you know start some speculation and it it doesn't always not mean anything like oftentimes it does mean something so um i thought you know it's pretty I was just going to say, a lot of times these guys don't realize that their Twitter profiles get scrutinized that heavily. So they'll do something like that and then not realize that it's basically they're shining a beacon that says, I intend to transfer or I'm considering transferring to the outside world. Yeah. And like that's I mean, I'm I'm a bit concerned by that because we're, you know, not we're not thin at receiver. But like if we were to lose (laughs) a guy like Jaqueline Crawford, like. Yeah, we would be getting pretty thin quicker than we want to yeah. admit. So, yeah. um, but this guy, I thought, I thought he looked really good in the spring. Like I thought mm-hmm. in the spring game, he looked very quick, and he was a guy that I felt, 
there are there are interesting opportunities for him in this offense. Yeah, you know, I think he g- brings something that uh, the offense to the offense that we don't really have that much of. We don't have a lot of those really quick guys, the guys that can bounce inside, bounce outside. Um, yeah, there's just not a lot of those anymore on the roster. Um, right. So it is interesting to see. I mean, I guess he obviously he wants to play wide receiver, but he was in really good defensive back as well in high school. So, I mean, if he wants to go on the field, that also, that also be a really good way to do it, but um, he might not want to entertain that idea. Yeah. He's really interesting to me. You know, I think that, you know, those end around type plays that we always did with Jeff Bidette, like, I think that could be a really good role for him. Um, You know, taking those, I guess those little shovel, shovel passes. I don't even toss passes. I don't even know what to call them. Um, but you know, where he's just kind of going right in front of the quarterback and the quarterback gives him the ball. So I think he could find a role doing that kind of deal. Um, I did have questions about his hands coming into college. Like I thought that, you know, in high school, he was kind of a do everything type player. So he was really dynamic with the ball in his hands, but he was definitely not like a receiver, you know, like he did play receiver, but he also played running back. He did wildcat quarterback. Like he did a lot of stuff to get the ball. So, you know, whether or not he's developing as a wide receiver, we know that if he is not, you know, it doesn't matter what he can do with the ball in his hands. He's not going to get the ball because we have other guys that can do great things with the ball that can also do everything they need to do as a receiver. So, um, that's going to be interesting. I, I do think like, I mean, Charleston Rambo, I think he's probably going to be Charleston Rambo's backup or at least to start out or unless one of these freshmen beats him out. Mm-hmm. But there, I think there's going to be an opportunity for him to get on the field um, this season. But we'll have to see. Um, I also kind of really like the idea of him as like a as a kick returner and punt returner. Yeah, that's what um, I was about to say. Yeah, I'd like, I really like to see him um, at least in kick returns because I think he'd be pretty natural there. Yeah. Well, and like, I mean, maybe you don't trust his hands enough as a punt returner, but like, I would really like to get CD lamb out of that position because (laughs) I just don't want our most, our best offensive player back there. You know, like I hated when Sterling Shepard was returning punts. Right. Um, It's not the CD's bad at it. He's pretty good at it actually. Like I just, I, we have so many other talented guys that it seems like a, yeah. No, no. <laughs> it seems like a waste of time to to you know have him out there as a as a punt returner as well yeah. when there's just there's too much downside to that to me so i think crawford's a guy that if he can be consistent catching punts like when he gets the ball he's he could be pretty dynamic in that role um so yeah especially well, more dynamic than cd is for sure um any last thoughts on jacoyle and crawford not really. Yeah, not not really. I think <laughs> we've settled. We covered it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. So beyond Jaquel and Crawford on the outside, um, let's we have we have off season legend Ad Miller. Right. Mm-hmm. Still on the roster and is going into his fifth year. Ad Miller, uh, you might remember, tried to transfer. Going into this year, he entered the portal, and I he even like announced that he was transferring to Illinois. 
Illinois uh, announced that he was transferring to Illinois. Right. Yeah. Illinois announced it. And then I guess he had a change of heart because he is mm-hmm. back at Oklahoma. Um, this is a guy that is going to leave. And I'm just not going to understand why he never was able to produce, you know, because this, I mean, if you're talking physical tools, there's really not a player on the roster that has better physical tools than AD Miller. Like he's faster. Like he's basically like the size of CD lamb, but he's a lot faster. Like he's a guy that gets thrown around as one of those fastest guys on the team type players. Mm-hmm. And he was a guy that even as a true freshman or a red shirt freshman was, you know, remember that Ohio State game in 2016? Like he was one of the few players that had an actual yeah. good game that night. Like he looked he great. Hit a hundred yards receiving. Yeah, the there were people. There were that was like the third game of the year. There were people leaving thinking, "Oh, OU's got their next NFL wide receiver in AD yeah. Miller," and like it just has never come together. You know, he's been hurt. He's had injury issues, but I think more than anything, it's just been a consistency thing for him. Because even last year, like that dude first two games of the season was catching touchdowns. He started the second game over CD lamb because he practiced mm-hmm. better. You got know, locked like he has, rough. right. He has, yeah, <laughs> he has that ability to like, obviously be a playmaker on offense. And he just never has been able to put it together for a full season. And like last year, he just disappeared and he wasn't even showing up to games at that point. So like, yeah. I don't even know. I don't even know. I, I don't expect anything to happen. Like he might, I, he could get on the field early and would be like, Oh cool. AD Miller's finally doing some stuff. He's the primary backup for CD, but like by mid season, I guarantee you one of those freshmen is going to have beaten him out. And then he will probably just disappear for the last time. You know, like it's just been that every single season. So I, that's really all there is to AD Miller. Like he's, I've always thought he's like a super talented guy. And he was one of the first receivers that when Lincoln got to Oklahoma, he was like the first receiver that we targeted him and Dahu green. Um, and it just never worked out. Yeah. He, it's, it's just a weird situation with him. Um, he, I mean, like very rarely do you see guys that grad transfer that announce their transfer and then come back, you know, do a boomerang. Right. Um, right. So let's, t- let's talk about these Illinois REA Abrahams, uh, given us this uh, this incomplete picture of A.D. Miller and saying, oh, he's coming here. Well, guess well, what, folks? Illi- like the literal University of Illinois tweeted out that he was coming. <laughs> yeah. Here. Like, so. They, and they did I it mean, twice. They did it with him and they did it with the kid from Miami. And both of them went. Oh, back. yeah. Yeah, so that one actually like, sucked because that guy's good. Yeah, yeah, Jeff Thomas. So yeah. it's like that it's just, just a strange yeah. situation. That just makes me wonder about like. The like equipment situation at Illinois, right? Just the the facilities and yeah, you know, I have no idea. I really don't. Like, I I think because it's not like he could fired. Yeah, it's it's, yeah for sure. Well, yeah, it's not like you know they can't rule him like academically ineligible or whatever. He's got a degree. Yeah. Um, Right. He just, All he has to do is enroll in like a BS master pro, master's program for a semester that he's done. Perhaps so. they have no BS master's programs at, <laughs> yeah. in, the, the, the in the big beautiful town, town of Champaign-Urbana. Yeah. 
Good lord. Um, so yeah, that's that's all there is to AD Miller. Like he's, yeah. you know, he's just always going to be one of those what if guys, you know. Um, so let's let's get into the freshmen. There's a couple freshmen that are playing outside, both of which were five stars. And let's go ahead and start with Theo Weiss. Um, he, I, we talked about it after the spring game. He looks like a five-star wide receiver should look. Yeah. He yeah. looks like an NFL wide receiver today. Um, you know, the guy is, what is he listed at? Like 6'3", 205-ish, 205. Yeah. yeah, like already over 200 pounds as a true freshman. You know, we talked about CD was like a really good freshman, but he was also like a really skinny freshman that, you know, really needed to put on weight and have, you know, add strength. And that's what he's done over the past two years. Like, Theo Weiss is basically starting where C.D. Lamb is now. You know what I mean? Um, So I think, I mean, the sky is the limit for this guy. We've seen him, you know, he competed. He was at Allen. He put up huge numbers at Allen. Um, Or I guess not really because they didn't have a great quarterback to throw to him. But his numbers were solid. But he's, you know, he went to all-star games. You know, the Under Armour game had a couple ridiculous touchdown catches. Um, so he's just a ridiculous athlete, you know, pretty much all the way around. Um, I, I think he's a guy that, you know, he'll probably wind up being CD's backup. Like, I think it's, that's a pretty natural position for him. Um, and he's a guy that I think next year we're going to look at that and yeah, we lost CD, but it's, I don't think we're going to be all that concerned about it. It's probably going to be one of those situations where it's like, you know, the, we will expect Theo to pick up pick up where CD left off. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's just astonishing. Like, um, both Theo and the next guy we're going to talk about, Jaden Hazelwood. Um, both of them are listed as more than ten pounds heavier than CD is now. Now, I don't think CD's weight on uh, the roster is accurate. I think he's probably over 200 pounds now. Um, but like that should give you a sense of like these dudes, like there is every chance that they are completely ready. Yeah. We just, we just haven't recruited uh, guys this uh, developed in since Malcolm Kelly. I don't know. It's been a long time. Like who's the last guy that um, of this, you know, talent development that's this immediately able to contribute um, just from all those uh, measurable standpoint that he's recruited. I can't think of one. Like it's been a long time. Like he had a great freshman year, but he was still undersized. He was still skinny. So, I mean, it's a totally different kind of player, but like, I felt like Sterling was pretty physically ready when he got to OU. Yeah, he's kind of, um, yeah, he's stout. And he but he was, you know, he was obviously a lot shorter it, yeah. and a different type player. But I thought, yeah. you know, like physically he was ready to step on a college football field. Like yeah, these guys just like, are. think about it from a, you know, from a tall receiver standpoint, like Jeff Mead, uh, A.D. Miller, Dahu. Right. Like those guys. All of those uh, guys were super Dan and Cavill, whenever he was here for like a semester, like the, all those guys that were 6'4", but they were just skinny. Like these guys are, yeah. you know. NFL size right now, like the the twenty four seven player comp for Theo Weiss is Allen Robinson, um, right? And he's six three, like two eleven, 
in the NFL for you know a half decade at this point. I mean, yeah, it's not. Theo is probably already there from like the end of the summer, so it's it's yeah. just um, it'll be no, really it's... interesting to see, you know, because wide receiver is often considered like along with running back outside of like blitz pickups and stuff, one of the easier transitions from high school to college. So, I mean, it's not inconceivable to think of Theo and Jaden and these freshmen kind of slowly uh, overtaking the rest of the room outside of CD and maybe Rambo towards the end of the year and it becoming kind of a Alabama 2017 situation where their entire wide receiver core is dominated by freshmen. You know, I think that's completely possible. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty absurd, man. I'm, I'm very excited. And just the, like the way, like with, you know, we're talking about Theo Weiss, like just the ability to throw the ball up there. I think Mm -hmm. that's going to be a really valuable thing for Jalen hurts because, you know, I think, you know, he's probably not going to be the kind of passer that we've had the last couple of years. So it's going to be really helpful for him to just have guys that he doesn't have to throw the best pass in the world to, right. and they can still make a play. Um, and think having, about, you know, yeah. go ahead. think about that with like uh, Paul Thompson and Malcolm Kelly, like right. Paul Thompson would just kind of shot, put it out there. Malcolm Kelly would just make these incredible catches every game. And yeah. Um, how big of a help that was to have, you know, this big six, four guy that could just go get the ball regardless of, you know, what corner was on him. Yeah, no, it's, it's really exciting, man. And like, God, just, just a freshman being that size. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go on. We kind of, we talked about him already, but Jaden Hazelwood is the other, the other guy that's playing on the outside mm-hmm. and, you know, he's listed at six two two oh six on the Sooner sports website and i mean like that's almost you know i i think we talked about it around signing day but hazelwood's almost built like a running back in a lot of ways yeah he's a really the lower body is mm-hmm. a lot thicker than you usually see for uh for for wide receivers and his i'm going to do another player comp, comp, uh, comparison uh for 24 7 it's keenan allen right and, like <laughs> if you think about Keenan Allen and OU's offense, somebody of that caliber. Um, and he was, I don't know if consensus, but he was, between all the sites, he was almost always either one or two in the country um, as yeah. far as wide receivers go. And he's from, you know, Georgia, which is as talented of a state as there is in the country. Um, yep. The the offense he ran was kind of interesting. It was pretty run dominated, but so is Theo's. You know, they both come from kind of run-heavy offenses. So right. we were talking earlier about perimeter blocking. Well, these guys have had to do that their entire high right. school careers. So it's not a foreign concept. They're not coming from a Texas Tech-style high school. Um, so that'll be interesting yeah. to see if that can, if they're willing to just kind of uh, mix it up immediately straight out of high school, kind of like CD was in 2017. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, so that pretty much does it with with the outside guys like i mean i think we can all agree if we're gonna set a depth chart for game one um cd lamb is on the left side of the field charleston rambo is on the right side of the field um and then you know i would expect theo weiss to be cd's backup by game one maybe ad miller starts the year there and then gets phased out like always um, 
I do think it's going to be interesting to see what happens behind Rambo with Jaquil and Crawford and to see if, you know, I think Weiss could play over there too or if Hazelwood yeah. can kind of establish yeah. themselves. See, to because, me, Hazelwood is more of a natural to play at CD's position because it's, to me, Weiss and Hazelwood, Weiss is, I don't consider them either of them speed guys, but Weiss is, I think Weiss is faster than Hazelwood. So to mm-hmm. me, it's more natural for Hazelwood to play in CD's kind of possession role and th- yeah. Weiss to play on the deep threat role. But it'll, I, don't, I honestly don't know who's going to play where. I don't, right. Right. Maybe yeah, they, I could see Hazelwood. Hazelwood has such an interesting body type. I could see them playing him inside. I could see them giving him some of those end-around plays that you're talking about because he could probably run through arm tackles. I don't really yeah. know what to expect with him. I think he's going to be kind of a utility player a whole bunch outside of just playing outside. Where yeah, Theo that's, might that, be, I agree. Yeah, Where Theo might be more of the traditional outside wide receiver. All right. just Let's just go ahead and make a prediction. Are either one of these guys going to be a starter by the end of the season? Like no, and like if health is fine, are you? Do you think basically, or do you think either one of those these guys is going to be able to overtake Charleston Rambo by the end of the year, or we, or do we think Rambo is going to just have a great year? I really think the Oes could do it. Um, okay, I don't think it's. I certainly don't think it's a for sure thing. If Charleston Rambo plays to his potential, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. Um, he'll definitely stay the starter. I think. I uh, don't. Yeah. If he's, I, don't, I mean, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say. I, <laughs> you the go Canadian ahead. standoff. Um, yeah, so I was just going to say I don't expect uh, either of them to overtake Rambo. I actually, I really do think Rambo will be a really solid number two receiver. Um, yeah. But I absolutely think they'll be in the offense and be um, recurring factors. And pe- and you know, you can see the glimpses of the future as true freshmen as these guys are going to be integral to the offense in 2020 and 2021 uh, moving yeah. forward. But I, I mean, it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be a really good situation for Rambo in terms of pushing himself because like there is going to be pressure behind him. And so he, like, he's going to need to be able to play a complete receiver game and yeah. like catch passes consistently, run routes. Well, block sure. well, because and that's great. Yeah, because, no, it's going mean, to be that's really how good. You, championship depth. I mean, look at Alabama. I mean, that's how they're elite at every position because they have guys pushing at every position, and that's what you want. Right. So, and OU has that on the offense. OU has OU is a national title uh, caliber team on the offensive side of the ball, and this is why. Um, it's not just one guy who does everything. It's not. We were talking about um, him earlier at Colorado. It's not just Lavisca Chenault. It's a room full of potential Leviska Chenaults, you know. So, <laughs> right, and, and that's just super exciting. Um, they all kind of feed off each other, and if you're not producing, then you're going to get passed. And we might be seeing that with Jaquelin Crawford because maybe he's, if I mean, let's think about this. He hasn't even hit his second fall camp, and he's already, you know, probably kind of sweating it because he's seeing these guys behind him that might be already starting to overpass him just after a summer. So. Uh, it's just sometimes it, you know, I mean, it, it produces the, uh, the chaff, but um, that's just kind of the way it works at these elite programs is if you can't cut it, you start to see guys uh, transfer out. I mean, Alabama just lost a five-star linebacker like in the last couple of days. That's, it happens, uh, but they just right. replace them with another. Yep. Yep. 
and that's I mean that's why you have to bring big time recruits every every single year. Um, let's okay. Instead of moving inside, let's go ahead and talk about what outside receiver recruiting is doing this year. Um, and it's it's pretty interesting to kind of see how it's going because OU is having trouble, I would say, in this class. And, you know, it's a mixture of, you know, I think their top target on the outside had a kind of weird family situation and they just wouldn't let him go far from home. Otherwise, I wouldn't be worried about it at all. Um, but they're also running into trouble because they are recruiting a year after signing three five-star wide receivers. You know what right. I mean? And we talked about what quarter, you know, what that has done at quarterback, you know, recruiting after Spencer Rattler. Well, it's the same thing going on at, rec- at receiver, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's particularly on the outside. So um, right now, OU sitting, I would say, with one commit to, uh, for an outside receiver. And there's Trayvon West from, I think, Lamar High School in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think he's probably the lowest rated guy that OU has committed in their class this year. Um, and what do you have any quick thoughts on Trayvon West? Uh, see, I'm conflicted with Trayvon West because I actually like his film quite a lot, but then yeah. I then I look at his because to me he looks like he's a speed guy on his film. Then yeah. I see his track times, and they're all in the 11s, and I just kind of scratch my head. I don't, I'm conflicted. I don't know what quite what I'm watching because, um, and it's been made. The point's been made, you know, by multiple analysts. You see him running a, away from fast guys because he's playing in the high classification of Texas. But yeah. then it doesn't seem to correlate to what you see electrically timed. So, one of the things that I I, I know has been mentioned about him is he's super quiet. So what I've, what I've heard is that, and what I've read is that he's been offered by a lot more people than what's been reported because he just doesn't say anything. He just, he's committed and that's, that's the extent of it. He's done. So Uh I don't really, I think it could be a situation where um, he's one of those guys that just kind of gets overlooked because he committed super early and he didn't go through the, all the camps. He didn't do all the extra stuff, but Whenever I just actually watch his film, I think he is a very solid player, but at the same time, he's not of the ilk of last year's class. And from what I'm reading about 2021, I think it's entirely possible that he gets recruited over. But I'm just kind of conflicted with him. I'm hoping he turns into, you know, a Joaquin Iglesias, but I feel like it's more likely that he is... Not, not that there's similar body types or anything, but that he's an A.D. Miller kind of guy. And I, I don't like saying that, but that's just kind of my gut feel. I will say, um, it, it, it's worth noting that, like, when we talk about, like, high school players and track times, like, track running is, strictly speaking, a, like, there, there's a different degree of technique that goes into that, mm-hmm. particularly in the really sure. short runs, like the 40. Um and so, you know, there's a degree to which I am willing to, given, you know, the age of the players here. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I am. I'm more interested in does he look fast on field 
which is not to like discount, you know, track well, times a, because they're obviously an empirical metric on this. But I'm a big proponent of football speed. <laughs> like I, right. I, I believe that's a real thing because I, I remember Trey Franks. You know, that was the extremely fast guy, but all he could do is run in a straight line, and it didn't really translate to the field. Um, so if he can run away from guys in pads, that's all I really care about. I don't really care if he can. Um, I'm not looking for. He's not going to be on OU's track team, you know. So, right. If he doesn't need to be a 10-3 guy, but um, it does kind of make me wonder if I, what I'm watching, if uh, whenever I see kind of a disconnect. So, mm-hmm. Dennis Simmons. I mean, I don't. Uh, of all of OU staffers, he's like one of the top three of like guys that I trust their evals. So. Mm-hmm. He zeroed in on Trayvon Rust early, and he's stuck by Trayvon Rust, um, even whenever all this stuff's kind of flying around. So if he likes him, I mean, Dennis Simmons knows infinitely more than I do about wide receivers. But yeah. uh, at the same time, I'm not 100% sold, but um, I'm willing to, you know, obviously be wrong. I would love to be wrong. So Right. This conversation has made me realize that there would be a really fun, uh, like sort of niche I would like to occupy someday in the, uh, like the world of like recruiting news. I think it would be really fun to be a guy who knows a lot about track technique. <laughs> yeah, you can be the and be like, whenever... oh no, don't don't trust these numbers because his start like his starts are really sloppy. So you can expect better real time speed. Yeah, you know? it's like the guy that talks about. Oh, he's a, his gait is really long, so he's actually not good for being a cornerback because his feet aren't choppy. <laughs> like, right. It's like we are getting in the weeds, but at the same time, it kind of makes sense. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to make of it. Right. Um. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and I, I think recruiting wise, you know, from a bigger picture, like I, I expect OU to take one more guy on the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly have no freaking idea who that's going to be. Um, I think but, OU wants it to be Gary Bryant from LA. Right. I don't know Do you if, think, he, it, if it will be Gary Bryant, but I think that's he, who they want it to be just due to speed. Is he an outside guy? I think they want him to be an outside guy. But uh, he's, you know, he's one of those 5'10", 180 pound guys. You know, he's not, yeah. he's not Theo sized, he's Sterling sized. Right. Um, they're and probably I'm, not as stocky, so I don't know. My deal with, with Gary Brown, I've just never, like, I like him, but I, I don't see the speed that everybody, Yeah, I don't know. He's it's one hard, of those guys that looks slower to me than I feel like maybe he is. I don't know. He's very, well, like, twitchy and quick, mm-hmm. and I, I think he could make a really good inside guy, but I don't see, like, Marquise Brown yeah. by any means. Well, like, like slight tangent. I had the kind of the same feeling about Chris Tyree, like, it's like a four oh, really? guy electrically. Yeah, but whenever I watched him, I, I was like, yeah, he's really fast, but I don't see like, you know, just stupid fast. You know what I mean? So I could never, I never, I never quite saw the four three. I saw, you know, sub four five, but I mean, uh-huh. this is the, it's all, it's hard to know, you know? It's, right. Sometimes, sometimes it's almost ha- like we were just, I was just, I just brought up gate and this is getting way too detailed, but. Sometimes it's almost like the way they run looks faster just on like if you're watching it. If you're not actually watching, you know, sometimes, you know, coaches will time from acceleration to end and they'll clock it like on a film. 
if you're not doing that, you're just watching them. It's hard to actually know how fast they are. Um, so it's just almost like, do they look like they're running fast? I remember whenever, right. man, I, I'm sorry, I'm going off on a tangent. I remember whenever Vince Young was at Texas, they were talking because he's so tall. And obviously, Chris Tyree is nearly it's like a foot shorter, but they would talk about how fast he was, but he didn't look fast because his strides were so long. So it's right. one of those things where, you know, they, they might not look as fast, but they're actually just blazing fast. So you never, it's, it's hard to really under, know until you actually like see it field level. Like, yeah, I've seen guys, uh, full disclosure, I go to a lot of union games because I went to high school there. Um, I've seen guys at union that, or that were playing union that I'd seen on film and I didn't think of that much about. And then I saw them live and I was just like, holy crap, you know, like these guys are, this guy is extremely fast. I had that thought about Trace Ford last year. He's a defensive recruit, but I saw him live. I was like, he looks so much faster than uh, what I saw on film. And I liked him on film. So, um, sorry, long tangent over. I'll shut up now. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Jesus. I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) all right. So yeah. Uh, you know, Gary Bryant inside, outside, you know, I, I guess outside is where they're looking at him right now. But I mean, other beyond him, I don't really have much to go off of for an outside receiver. Do you um, think Ro- Rome or or whatever his name is, is an outside guy? Or do you think they look at him strictly as inside? I, this I is the see. kid from Bishop Gorman for those who don't know. I, 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 f- I see inside with him. I don't just like a big inside guy. And he's he's probably another guy that like fits what you were just talking about because he is tall. He's like six three. Mm-hmm. I. I just don't see, I don't think he looks that fast, you know, and like well, he is probably very, a long, Yeah, he looks like a long strider and that might have an effect, but I, I don't see like the speed that everybody's talking about. So, um, all right, I think he's fast for a size, but not right. Like a four, three kind of guy. Right. Right. All right. Let's go. Let's move to the inside receivers before we talk for five hours about a bunch of recruits that nobody knows. Um, so, we're going to start with the slot position. Obviously, the inside receiver position is kind of, I don't know if it's one of the more unique things that OU does. You know, like they've kind of found an, a role for the, like the monster, like big receivers at the, you know, kind of tight end slash inside receiver position. But let's start with the like more traditional inside slot receiver type position. Um and this has kind of been occupied by a bunch of walk-ons these last few years, you know? Um, it has. It's kind so of been weird. It has been kind of strange. But, I, I mean, that's kind of a, a thing in the air raid. It seems like there's always walk-ons True. that find roles. Um, and, like, this year, the projected starter is Nick Basquin. Um, I... I feel fine about that. Like he, you know, before he tore two Achilles, like he was, you know, maybe the, you know, most consistent receiver on the team in terms of just great third down guy, ran great routes, didn't ever drop anything. Like he was very good, very consistent. Yeah. I thought he played really well against Texas last year in the big 12 championship, had a couple really nice Mm -hmm. catches. Um, And I was pretty impressed with what he showed, like just, kind of in the open field in that game. Like I've never, I never remember him being very fast, but he looked faster to me last year. And that was surprising considering the Achilles injuries he, he was coming off of. But, um, you know, I think I've, I've kind of realized that, you know, cause in the NBA, the Achilles injury is kind of like the death knell for somebody's career. Um, and I, I've 
think that in other sports, it's not as bad. It's not as bad of an injury. Like it, it's not a good injury, but it's not like a killer like it is in basketball. And it makes total sense because in basketball, there's a lot more jumping involved. But like, mm-hmm. you know, I think I've seen some guys in soccer come back from from Achilles injuries and be fine. And you know, Nick Basquin looked probably more explosive than he did before the injuries last year. So, um, I mean, we know that Nick Basquin has a great arm. Hopefully he gets another chance to throw a touchdown to Charleston Rambo and he doesn't drop it this time. Um, but if we're just being honest here, how many games into the season before Trajan Bridges beats Nick Basquin out for this position? Because it's going to happen at some point. <laughs> if it doesn't happen, it's going to be because they just like Nick Basquin a whole lot and they just want him to start. Yeah, so... I think that's the thing. Like, I kind of expect Nick Basquin to potentially be a captain. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's a sixth-year guy. Um, he's got a lot of respect, I think, on the team just for how he's dealt with his injuries and how he's kind of overcome right. them. And that he's a former walk-on and he's from Norman. Like, he has every like uh, soft, intangible sort of thing yeah, he's going like for him. Two hundred percent captain material. Yeah. Yeah. So, I. I don't know if the, if Bridges will ever actually um, take the spot on the quote unquote official death chart, but I think by Texas he will be playing more snaps. Um, yeah, that's kind of my expectation. Yeah, I don't think that that is a particularly outrageous thing to think. Um, I think that that's probably a really good read on the situation. Um, yeah. Do we want to talk about Trajan Bridges now? Let's just go ahead and talk. We everybody knows what they have, what we have with Nick Basquin. He's he's a solid player, and you know, skipping right over Mike Hill. Well, we'll get Sorry, there. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. We're gonna get to like relevant. Just like Trajan Bridges will on the depth chart. <laughs> That's right. True. Right. Yeah. So Trajan Bridges, the third of the three five-star wide receivers that OU signed this past class. Um, I was going back and listening to our post signing day pod the other day, just to kind of refresh myself on the players and, and everything, you know, kind of get back into the football mode. Um, cause I've been on like a basketball tear for the past couple months. Um, but Trajan Bridges, you know, is a guy that I know Nathan and I agreed was going to be the player that made the biggest impact as a freshman. Um, and you know, you guys heard how high we were on Theo Weiss and Jaden Hazelwood. And I think that I am similarly as high on, on Trajan Bridges, but with the added benefit for him that he's playing a position that has Nick Basquin in front of him instead of former four high four star guys, you know? Right. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. He has the clearest path to playing time. Um, and, right. and he also, I think, has the it's, – it's hard to quantify this, but just in my read of the three freshmen, I think he has the mindset um, that's most conducive to early playing time. Um, not that the other two don't have the right mindset, but I just think Trajan kind of has that ultra-competitiveness that you see um, from guys that um, really kind of just take the – take the job, you know, early and don't let go of it. I, I don't really know how to put it into words, but he has that, and this is lofty, but he just kind of reminds me of, Bake, of Baker, um, just in that yeah. kind of, he has, he has that kind of edge to him. Um, yeah. 
Well, there's always been an intangible quality to the way people have talked about him in terms yeah. of his recruiting. Uh, because, I mean, measurables-wise, he's not the same physical no. superhuman that Theo Weiss and Jaden Hazelwood are. But all you could see from his camp film is like, wow, this dude can catch a football. Like, yeah. The hands, and, though. <laughs> you're right. The hands, um, the route running, like the ability to, you know, just, you know, catch balls over defenders, behind defenders, mm-hmm. you know, create the space. He's like, he's a good football player. Like, and which is, re- and that's why it's like, it's really impressive that he, like, this is the reason he was a five-star, is not because of his size or speed, but because of his football-playing ability. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I absolutely think that there's um, there's a very clear path to uh, so, starting spot on the roster for him. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so there's a couple things that you guys said that I want to... Both of the a lot of the things that you guys just talked about were things that could have been said for Buki coming into last year. Yeah, and, and it was like, oh, he's got the mentality, he's got the mindset, he's got you know, we don't really the the measurables aren't super there, but he's such a good football player. Um, so I want to give Trajan a little credit in terms of what he does have physically. Right, like he is yeah. not he's not he's not five, this seven. five foot. Yeah, yeah, he's not 5'10", 140 pounds, yeah, and it's yeah, just like, like, oh, he kills everybody. The yeah, guy's listed I'm at not, 6'1", 184. No, so the thing with him, it's like, he doesn't have the five-star, 6'3", 210-pound frame, but he still has a very decent frame. Like, it's not, right. Buki's 5'9", 185 pounds, Bo- or whatever. Bo- like, Bo- Buki is 5'7". Yeah, like in real, like on the, on the roster, he's five nine. In real life, he's shorter. So, like Trajan has a perfectly fine frame. It's just that everything else elevated him to from a four star to that five star because he started out as like a low ranked four star, and by dominating everything that he was in, he rose to the five star. Um, so, yeah. and I think a lot of it just had to do with you know tenacity, and he has the best hands probably of in you know, in his recruiting cycle, um, just all that other stuff. I think and not, another thing about playing inside is that he doesn't have to worry about press coverage as much. So maybe being slight won't hinder him as much. Um, yeah. Now the question is, can he get hit over the middle? That remains to be seen, but there are some, um, there's just some natural things that go along with where he's at and where the team's at that I think leads him to the most um, obvious choice for being the breakout true freshman of the group. Now, could yep. Hazelwood or Weiss, you know, surpass him? Absolutely. They, they're just as talented, if not more so. But I think he's the one that makes sense. Now, the, the better question is that, you know, since Lincoln's been here, that H position has never been the, you know, the star position. So, yeah, because even when Sterling was the best receiver on the team, they were playing him at Y a lot, the same position that Andrews played, which is weird to think about, but it's true. So um, if he plays that H, you know, can he still rack up, you know, a thousand yards? I don't think he will. But, you know, theoretically, is that possible Um, just within the confines of the offense? Well, and this is actually something 
um, I'm interested to see is uh, just how much H we see, um, mm-hmm. given like it, and really it just depends on whatever their philosophy is surrounding like Jalen Hurts in the running game, um, and the question of like, well, do we just sell out on bigness, or do we like, you know, do we spread the field a little? Um, to me, like to me, and like this is speculation because really you can go either way with that philosophically. And I think at different points, uh, Lincoln has done both. Um, but the question of whether like we're going to have this H receiver or an H back on the field, um, is um, you know that's going to be one of the bigger determinations in like how much. Uh, you know, players at this position can break out. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely true. And like, he might be a guy that, you know, we talked about earlier, like Jalen hurts might lock into guys more than we've ever had a quarterback lock into, you know, outside receivers or something. And he might be a guy that plays a lot and doesn't get a lot of catches because of it. You know, like, I don't think that we'll be able to take advantage of every receiver on the field as much without Baker Kyler. Um, So that might be, you know, his stats might not wind up looking like all that much at the end of the season, but I think his future is extremely bright on the inside. And what I will say about like talking about the H position is that I don't think they would put a five star in a position that, wasn't going to be at least somewhat featured you know like they we've talked about it like the h position has been pretty much occupied by guys that were like half as talented as (laughs) trajan bridges you know what i mean like yeah yes we had yeah miles miles freaking like i shouts to miles tease for being on the field but like that dude was not very good you know, like he did everything they asked him to do, and that was cool. Yeah. But like that guy wasn't fast. He didn't like. I wouldn't say he really did anything all that great, other than he was just a well-rounded player. You know, mm-hmm. and Trajan Bridges can do a little bit of everything at a really high level. So I'm really, I yeah. think that he's gonna find. We're gonna see some stuff from this position that we just that guys just have not been capable of doing before yeah. him. So. And like. We're, we, we have also talked, um, you know, in terms of like scheme, flexibility and where the focus will be like when we were talking about the outside receivers, like we're talking about such, like the X receiver is going to be featured over the Z receiver now. And that hasn't been the case the past three years. It's true. Right. That's yeah, absolutely. I think I think Lincoln, it, it's all about the, the talent, man. And yeah. I, I think the reason why they move Sterling over to the H is, I mean, for like Mark Andrews was a freshman. He also like they had to like basically build in time for him to be on the sidelines because he had diabetes. And I think Sterling was like the best option to be like his backup while he was out of the game to be the guy on the field. And I, I think that, you know, that made a lot of sense for him to move over to that position. Um, but I, you know, we just have not had a guy like Sterling. It would have been interesting to see what they would have done with Sterling in a, a year you know, like the year after that, you know what I mean? When Mark Andrews is more comfortable, um, when, you know, really everybody's more comfortable in the offense. So yeah. they just had to make room for Duran Neal. That's right. That's why. Absolutely. You got to keep Duran Neal on the field. 
big time game game breaker right there. Um, Jesus, I was so <laughs> high on Duran Neal coming out of high <laughs> Me school. Too. I thought he was going to be a freaking superstar. <laughs> like that guy yeah. was an av- like the most average player ever. Yeah. Um, speaking of the most average player ever, let's move on to our next guy. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about Michael Jones now. <laughs> He's a guy. He who had a pretty okay. The thing about Michael, he had some pretty big catches in twenty. 20- I think people don't remember. Like he had some pretty big catches in twenty seventeen that well, have ca- yeah. kind of been forgotten. Yeah, well, they slip your mind because uh, every announcer ever has said that his name is Michael. Yeah, Michael yeah, Jones. Chris Fowler. God. Yeah. Well, yeah, Michael Jones did not exist last season. Yeah, he got um, hurt. Pe- people forgot about him. Yeah, he got hurt in the, in the fall, and he just was never able to dig himself out of that. Um, and like, cause I don't think he was hurt during the actual season, right? Like, I think it was just he got hurt in yeah. preparation, and he wasn't able to kind he like, of. He had like a he weird got passed shoulder. up. Yeah, he had like a shoulder thing in fall camp, and then he was like banged up the first couple games. So by the time he got healed, they just didn't really have room for him, so he just kind he of. Never, yeah, so they decided so he had like a weird him. red shirt. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of Which, the same I thing mean, that it, happened to Ad Miller. He like he played. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because I remember he had that really great catch from. Do you remember that pass Tanner Mordecai through? I think it was against Ford Atlantic. I think that was oh, a Michael Jones catch. Oh, do we ever remember that pass Tanner Mordecai <laughs> through? Yeah, back yeah, when had some zip. back when yeah yeah back when he back was... when I thought Mordecai was like good. <laughs> um, Before he assumed Austin Kendall's uh, mantle. Right, this, exactly. This Before he yes passed the porch. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, you're you're absolutely right. There were certainly times in 2017 where Michael Jones made some huge plays. I remember specifically there were a couple huge catches against Kansas State that year. That yeah. you know everybody remembers Ohio him. State. Yeah, the great that one over the outstretched defender's hands. That was awesome. Yeah. Yep. Um, everybody remembers him burning TCU's defensive end, Matt Boson, because that was just hilarious. <laughs> that was the worst. Okay. Defensive genius. Gary Patterson had his defensive end on a slot receiver. So. Yeah. We, we all remember that, that's, but yeah. that's some NCAA 14 hurry up <laughs> defense stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah. Not great stuff there. Um, but yeah, to me, the, the ones that really stick out are those, those plays against Kansas state because they were like pretty contested. You know, like he made some really nice catches in that game. And like, I think at one point he like popped his shoulder out and then popped it back in and stayed in. Uh So that was like super impressive. But um, I mean, it's not impossible for Michael Jones to get on the football field. Like he's been a guy that, you know, like we said, has made made plays plays before. Which outside of the couple Y receivers in CD is no one else on this wide receiver room can say that like. Nick Basquin. uh, I mean, arguably, Mike Hill has made more plays than Nick Basquin. Right. Right. Well, here's an interesting here's an interesting stat. Um, In 2017, he led uh, the receivers room in uh, yards per catch. Yeah. Big play. I mean, he like it was one of those deals where like he only you know, showed up once every other game, it seemed like. But, like, when yeah. he did, it was a big play. 
Yeah. He made big yeah. plays when he got the ball. He had 16 receptions, but he took them for 310 yards in 2020. See, that's not a bad season. If he had 300 yards this season, I'd be pretty excited. That'd yeah. be great. That would be great. Um, yeah, it's, it is going to be tougher for him to get on the field. He's going to have to be healthy all fall for him sure. to, to be able to overtake Nick Basquin and hold off a guy like Trajan Bridges. Um, last guy here we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about, we're not going to talk about Finn Corwin. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. He's a freshman. I'll, I'll give him some time. Um, we're going to talk about the other guy that is in that mold. Uh, we're going to talk about Drake Stoops. What do you mean by in that mold? I mean the fact that he is a small white wide receiver. That's okay, the just mold checking. I'm talking about. Yes. <laughs> the other the other future Wes Welker on the team. Uh, um, hey now, Hunter Renfro. The yeah, the other Hunter Renfro. The, future Hunter Renfro. Oh. <laughs> uh, the thing with Drake Stoops is he's a real coach's son. Oh yes. yeah. Coach's son, you know, I, I, I do think he's probably got a pretty high football IQ. What color is his lunch pail? We know. <sighs> yeah, he, you know, it's definitely a crimson and cream lunch pail. He's had that going for him since the day he was born. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if Drake Stoops found a way to get on the field this year. I mean, we know this team loves a good walk on, especially at that position. At that position, you know, that he's going to have every opportunity to get on the field. They were very high on him last year. He even played early in the season um, before he actually wound up redshirting, I think. But I think he's a guy that, you know, if he's out there catching passes in the fourth quarter against Texas, I'm not going to be shocked. Um, I wouldn't bet on it happening. But, like, he's a guy that might just surprise everybody and get on the field. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I can't say much more about it. I I don't have any. I don't have scorching Drake Stoops takes. Other than I mean, he, it he, was he, really fun in the FAU game when the yeah. crowd went nuts when he got a reception. I'm almost positive that there was a point last year where I think after that game, or maybe after the UCLA game, I think I came out and said that I think Drake Stoops was going to be the starting inside receiver by the end of the year. Well, I, I mean, at that time, he was like, at that time, high. Nick Baspin was still a guy with two Achilles tears, and right. Michael Jones was still a guy coming off <laughs> yeah. whatever he did in fall that year. Yeah, I basically thought he was going to beat out uh, Theo, or not Theo Weiss, but Miles Tease. Um, but that did not wind up happening, unfortunately. But we'll see what he does in his redshirt freshman year. He, I was looking up his side, 5'9", 181. Like, that's kind of, that's kind of thick for an inside Yeah, for 5'9". Like yeah, yeah sure. for 5'9". That's, he's not a, like a super skinny kid that's going to have trouble, you know, taking hits. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think there, there might be something there with, with Drake Stoops and that's, my that's God, size right there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> my God, are the announcers are going to be insufferable about Drake Stoops. If he winds oh. up playing a lot, it's oh, just going to yeah. be so oh, much, yeah. so much Drake Stoops talk. So Can much, imagine, so much like, Drake Stoops talk. If he had, Okay, let's just hypothetical. If he had a situation like Renfro's catch against Alabama to win the title, blah, 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 blah. Oh, Can you Jesus. imagine like the E60s that would come out of that? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it would be never-ending. Yeah, that would be amazing. But Multiple also incredibly, ones. incredibly yeah. annoying. Um, all right, I, would, so, I, I am willing to suffer through that if that means they win the national title. So. Uh, I, I would be willing yeah. to, to I make would, that I sacrifice. Would, I would yes. accept the, the, 
that small frustration. Yeah. I, yeah. Absolutely. Um, all right. So let's let's move on to the recruiting side of it just real quick. Um, there's really there's there's one guy to talk about here that's committed. Um, mm-hmm. And he goes by the name of Brian Darby. Which I, I kind of like the name Darby personally. But um, this is a really interesting guy to me because I don't. He could wind up playing like six different positions at OU, and it, none yeah. of them would surprise me. Um, he's listed, I think, at like six foot, 200 something pounds right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's a guy that's probably going to play like six foot, 215, maybe even like 220 when he gets to college. Like, he's a pretty thick kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's one of those guys that you turn on the film and he just does everything for his team. You know, like he, they get him the ball in a lot of different ways. He's burning them with, you know, he'll take a screen and he'll run over a guy or he'll make a guy miss. Um, he's a really interesting player to me. He doesn't look overly explosive, but I think he's a guy that is just, he knows how to work space. You know, he knows how to get into positions to be open and, and get the ball. Um, and then when he has the ball in his hands, he's able to actually do something with it. So I like him. I, you know, he's a three-star kid and I, I think that's probably about right. But I, he's one of those guys that if he weren't committed to OU, I really wouldn't care about him at all. But like knowing that he's going to be at OU and playing for Lincoln Riley, like if that guy want turns into a freaking all American, I won't be surprised because I think he's a really good player that Lincoln is going to find a, a way to get him the ball in a lot of ways. Yeah. See that that's the thing. I think he's the consummate Lincoln Riley guy. Like mm-hmm. he he does a lot of different scenarios type toolsy things. Like I don't he's not, you know, your typical line him up outside receiver or your your normal slot guy. He can just do a lot of stuff. And I think Lincoln gets excited by guys that he can put in all types of weird packages um, and make defenses, you know, kind of work for it. He kind of reminds me of, you know, whenever Kevin Wilson initially started playing around with the no huddle and they would go from heavy personnel to split them all out wide without having to change personnel so the defense couldn't sub. Like he's one of those guys that I think they'll line up in different spots and that'll stress the defense because they can't sub guys out. Like that's yeah. kind of how I see them playing with him. Oh, he's lining up at running back and okay, now they're going to, put him at inside receiver and now they're going to put him at like H back. Like, they're just going to do weird stuff with him. Cause we, yeah. t- they, they kind of talked about this earlier with Jaden Hazel. He's, he's like a running back. There's that plays receiver. Like he's a weirdly shaped wide receiver. Um, yeah. They, I, I've seen the Josh Norman comparison. He's not as tall as Josh Norman, but he's kind of like right. he's in that same frame. That kind of honestly built. the player right. I thought it, the player that I thought about first when I watched him play, was Trey Sermon. Like it was yeah, like if, if, if Trey, Trey Sermon, Sermon were receiver. a wide receiver, I was like, that might be what Trey Sermon looks like out there, you know? Um, so I yeah, like I think he running back is certainly a possibility for him, you know, just in certain situations, putting him yeah. back there. Like it that's that's kind of the player I that he reminds me the most of. Like because they're Josh Norman, I guess, but I don't really yeah, remember he's all that just much one of those about guys Josh that, Norman. Yeah, he's just one of those guys that I think if he went to, you know, nine out of ten other schools, he would just be a guy. But I think yeah. at OU, like he become he could be someone that was really effective 
because yeah. of just the way that Lincoln could use him. Yeah, it's like the 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 possibilities are endless, you know, like yeah. you can kind of come up with whatever you can just use your imagination when you think yeah. about what he could do do it over. And one so. one thing I like about him is that Kale offered him uh after seeing him in camp. So right. he's somebody that maybe they had on their radar and they maybe just impressed them so much they just could not offer him. And oh yeah, he's had, a, you know, historically has had a lot of luck with those guys. So. Yeah. And he, I mean, he committed like the day they offered, I think yeah. a couple of days. From, he's after, from college so. station too. So that'd yeah. be funny to get like a really good player who was just ignored by A&M. But yeah, it would be great if we could do that and then play A&M in a bowl game. And then they could talk about how A&M was never interested in him. <laughs> um, and then he was he was just out to get A and M because I can't, they I can't they never offered to, him. I can't wait for A and M to play this year and go eight and four, seven and five, and just yep. Just to their get, their yeah. schedule this year is ludicrous. So if it they like go, sucks. If they go better than eight and four, I'll be extremely impressed. Yeah, same, same, absolutely. Um, all right, so let's let's talk about the other inside receiver position. Um, the H position. No, the Y position. Yeah, Sorry. the Y position. Sorry. Yeah, the Y position. Um, this position is currently occupied by Grant Calcaterra, um, who is the current owner of the best mustache in college football, I think. No, no, no. no. He shaved it. He, he was shaved the it. owner. Yeah, but he shaved it. It is forever memorialized. So everybody. Yes, it is on the roster. You can look at it. Com. Look mm-hmm. at the roster. Check out Grant Calcaterra's posthumous mustache. It was stupendous. I I'm kind of glad he did because we won't have to like hear about it every time he does anything. <laughs> yeah. But right, right. it was a great mustache. We talked um, about this off air, where it's one of those like month long bad decisions that people make in college, but it's just now forever saved on the internet, where we can oh, just yeah. laugh at it forever. Oh yeah, it's it's, it's an incre- it's, it's just great. an incredibly bad but awesome at the same time mustache. Absolutely. Um, Greg Alcatara, I'm really interested in because he was largely inconsistent last year. Um, like he, he just has a way of like making some really freaking impressive catches that kind of distract you from the fact that he was overall very inconsistent. And He's for great large at the opening. Point, he was great at the opening. I mean, that's the first and foremost thing, but, yeah. you know, like, they he's w- going to have to stop hiding behind how great he was at the opening. Yeah. Gotta, that was three like. years ago. Let's be, let's yeah. be in the Step present. Step it up. <laughs> stop bringing up how good you yeah. are in the opening, Grant. Yeah, I think he was hurt a lot last year. Um, yeah. He had some shoulder stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of hindered, honestly, he was kind of outshined by Lee Morris for most of the year. But That's, then he yeah, had some absolutely. some huge catches against, uh, especially against Texas. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, Tom Herman cringed just the other week looking at it oh, the lot the replay <laughs> during Big Twelve Media Days. Tom uh, Herman they, being sad is my favorite thing in college football right now. So. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. Well, good thing they don't have Maryland on their schedule this year, That's so they won't true. open That's the true. season with a loss. But, yeah. Uh, um. So, so are they even playing week one like Rice? I don't know. I it's I don't some, I don't know. I just know they play LSU week two, and I I need LSU yeah, to win that game badly. Yeah. Need a uh, Joe Burrow to 
yeah to do stuff <laughs> the the swag king i can't i can't even through. yeah the swag king yeah i can't even remember his lame uh nickname that they were trying to use for him last year but it, oh, it doesn't matter. either was, um yeah so yeah with grant calcaterra i mean that's really we're just looking for consistency like he's he pretty much is what he is. You know, you've seen him at his best where he's making a ridiculous one-handed catch against Texas. And then, you know, there's the play against Iowa State where he fumbles and that yeah. kind of changed that entire game. Like, we might have been headed for a blowout because we could have scored on that drive and really ended it. Instead, he fumbles and they score on the next play because our defense can't tackle. So, like, that's that's the kind of thing that you just can't have. Like, I don't want to – I hate – I hate watching dudes fumble and it, it sucks. And like, honestly, Grant Calcaterra would probably just be better served falling down every time he catches the ball because <laughs> he's one of the least graceful open field runners I've ever seen. Like he just does not have that ability to really do much with the ball after he catches it uh-huh. does not have incredibly good change of direction. And by that, I mean, he's does not have change of direction skills at all. Um, right. it's not, the, it's not like a bad thing because he's such a good route runner and he's got really solid hands for the most part. So like he makes it work, but like maybe he just needs to not try to do anything with the ball after he gets mm-hmm. it, you know, just you know, fall to the ground. You know, what's interesting about him is he's getting like some early draft hype. Like I've seen him mentioned. Okay. First makes, off, I've seen, I saw one guy have him like in the top 10 pick, which is ludicrous, but yeah, yeah. I've seen That's some other guys, um, have him like in the you know second roundish area, it, like top fifty it, guys, and that's a little surprising to me because he's undersized. He's not yeah. like an amazing athlete. I mean, he's a good player. I, I like Grant Kakotera. I want to make that known. Like he's a good player. What? But I'm surprised why he's Grant, getting that hype. What does Grant Kakotera do in the NFL? I have no idea. He's. I don't. He's. I don't well, think I think he's the same be an NFL size guy. Yeah, I, I don't know either. It, it, that's why I'm confused why he's getting the hype he's getting. I think there's a... The NFL is currently kind of in... And this is not like me saying that I think that he, there is a place for him in the NFL. But like, yeah. there's some instability right now in the NFL, tactically, personnel-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like I, I think same... it's the sort of thing where people... Where, like, you know, common wisdom might be you know, discounted at points to yeah. take flyers on, you know, successful college guys. Well, here, who here's the thing. Systems. Like, he's the same size as Evan Ingram, but he's just not the, you know, the stupendous athlete that Evan right. Ingram is. So right. I think if you're going to be 6'3", 230, you should be yeah. an exceptional open field runner and be, you know, in the top, you know, percentile of your 40 time. And I just don't think that's what he is. So no. he... No, he's not. He's a, he's a very smart player that has good hands and runs good routes. And there's a, I mean, that's valuable. But in a league where, you know, there's a direct correlation for athleticism and size, you know, I don't know where he fits in that. He might carve out a role. He might be perfectly fine. I don't know. But to be drafted that high, I just feel like it's a little bit of a reach unless you have those, uh, those you know, superlative uh, measure those time the 40 times and things like that that kind of shows you as a plus athlete relative yeah. to your size i i feel confident that lee morris is the better nfl prospect of the two Which i have no doubt wild. in my mind 
Yeah. Um, and I, I'm not saying I think Lee Morris is a long-term NFL guy. I think he'll have a better shot in the NFL than Grant Calcaterra will. Do you think Lee, Mor- Lee, do you think Lee Morris right now gets drafted next year? No, I don't. I don't. But, like, it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. I think it is impossible. To me, he's like a seventh-rounder kind of guy if he gets drafted. I think it's impossible that Grant Calcaterra will be drafted. I know he's getting pub, but those people have not watched him play. That's yeah. all I will say. They're the like, same guys that put Kenneth Murray as a first rounder. Exactly. That <laughs> put just, Kenneth Murray the first. Exactly. They see that and they say, oh, he's tied in at Oklahoma. He must be like right. Mark Andrews. Hell no. Yeah. Nothing like him. So, and I don't mean to shit on Grant Calcaterra. Yeah, that's I really what it's like. Grant Calcaterra. <laughs> just, yeah, this, this went in a different place than I. <laughs> He, yeah. He's going to have a pretty good year, I think. Like, he's I a think good he's player. Gonna, he's gotten better both years he's been in college. Like, he's, he's got a lot gonna of ability. Be the, for him or the kid at, from Norman at Iowa State are probably, like, the best bets of being first-team All-Big 12 tight ends. Like, he's a good player. Sure. He's just not a first-rounder. He's not a that's freaking what, NFL guy. Like, it's, that's – yeah, he's just not that guy. I don't know right. what – Well, I, I think mean, that – that will become really obvious when mm-hmm. he has to, he, when he's now occupying the same position group as you know, a player who I think is probably very definitely a future NFL guy. What he needs to do is come back, is become increasingly reliable and then come back for his senior season <laughs> and continue doing that. Yeah. yeah. I, well, yeah. If he goes and, pro and like this year, like, I will be shocked. And be Spencer Rattler's security blanket. That's what I think. Yeah, yeah. I think that, I think that would be smart of him. Um, mm-hmm. He could be a he, he could be a captain next year. He'd be like a four. Well, he wouldn't be a four year starter, but he'd be a four year, uh, four year guy. Key cog. Yeah, like he played yeah. all four years. Yeah. No, I agree. I think um, obviously the biggest thing with him is going to be consistency. Um, and I don't know. That's at some point, the dude just gets rocked across the middle. Which yeah. is normal for Titans, but like again, undersized. He's, he's bad at taking hits. Like some yeah. guys are good at avoiding it, he is not. Right. No. And so like he's gonna need to figure out a strategy there and he's gonna need to become more consistent. And if he can do that, I think he'll be a great productive player this year. And you know, the sort of player that an NFL team looks at and says, Well, things are weird now. Maybe this is what a tight end will be. I yep. don't think that they'll be correct, but you know. Yeah, no, there's, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, we all, we all, we are a pro Grant Calcaterra podcast. Mm-hmm. He was great at the opening, but um, I would like to see more from him this year and, right. you know, just be more consistent. Um, all right, so let's get to Lee Morris because right. he is a guy that I see a little bit more NFL potential with because he's just simply a better athlete. Um, and he is a guy that has been wildly consistent since he's been at OU. Like he is a guy that came in as a, as a walk on and he's had to work his way through the depth chart in order to get significant playing time. He, uh, you know, obviously known as TD Lee because most of his catches are touchdowns. Um, he's a really good player. Yeah. This is, he is another guy who's like, we're going to have like multiple former walk-on wide receiver captains. Is he going to be a captain, you think? I mean, he's a he's redshirt a senior. senior. He's a, you know, 
He was a huge part of the team last year. He's, uh, I mean, I'm trying to remember. Did, <laughs> doesn't he has family connections to OU, right? I'm not. Yeah, his dad. Yeah. Right. His dad yeah. played right. in the 80s. No, it, it makes sense. Like, I, I, I just, you know, like, they're. <laughs> I think we're we're all pretty confident Nick Basquin's going to fill the uh, the right. walk on this receiver is, yeah, this role. Yeah, the problem is that at the like if Nick Basquin and Lee Morris are on, are yeah. captains, we're on track to name like eight captains. <laughs> right. Yeah. It'll be like Ohio State last year where they had four wide receiver captains or whatever it was. Yeah, because you also have CD as a possible one as well, even though he's a junior. Yeah, I think Creed's got a good shot to be a captain as well, um, but. All right, we don't we don't need to talk about captains yet, yeah. at least. Um, but more on Lee Morris, uh, the thing that I think is the most interesting because I I, find, I think his role is going to be pretty similar to Grant, like to what it was last year. You know, like he's not in all likelihood he's probably not going to start over Grant Calcaterra because you know, like we said, Calcaterra was great or is was great at the opening and is is a really good mm-hmm. player, but. Um, He's probably going to be that second guy to come in. The thing that interests me the most about Lee Morris is whether or not they, you know, because there were times last season where they played both Lee Morris and Greg Calcaterra at the same time. And I was definitely kind of thinking about the idea of moving Lee Morris to the, the H position and playing him more there just to get him on the field because he's probably, he's made more plays than anybody playing that H position has. You know, and he's a big body guy, like he's a really good athlete. Um, so I, I think that might be an interesting spot to get him on the field. What I'm really curious to see with him is, I mean, he had such a good relationship with Kyler going back to high school. How does that uh, work with a new quarterback? Because he didn't really have as much of a role whenever Baker was there. And obviously he was just a sophomore at the time, redshirt sophomore. But um, I want to see if, he could continue the success with someone that he hasn't been playing with since the 10th grade or the ninth grade. Um, and it's kind of bizarre, you know, to think about someone who could end their career at OU with like 30 touchdowns and they never started a game or like was, were considered an actual starter. That's just, that's, a, yeah. that's almost at the side of the point, but it's still, it's just kind of weird to think about. Yeah. Morris, the Manu Ginobili of OU football. Yeah, he's he's had such an interesting career so far. And just like for the position he plays, the guy averaged over 20 yards a catch last year. You know, so like that dude was making plays down the freaking field from his spot. You know, that's not something we ever saw Grant Calcaterra do. He's so like his his body type is strange because he's like 6'2", 2'2". 15 220ish but he's like pretty fast for his size but he's I don't know he's just an odd body type but so like he's faster than linebackers and he's too big for safeties it's interesting yeah, yeah it's yeah I think his running style is kind of strange because he feels he feels pretty upright but also he's like a very stable upright runner mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah so I I I I would like to see him and Calcaterra play quite a bit together um you know, unless, you know, Trajan Bridges is just absolutely killing it, then it's like, okay, you need to put him on the field. But, like, 
you know, there were times when Grant Calcaterra and Mark Andrews played together, and there were times at the end of last season, it was really more out of necessity than anything that Lee Morris and Grant Calcaterra were out there. But I think that there's a, you know, a good possibility to see see some of that this year as well. Sure. Um, all right, so let's go to the last guy at this kind of tight end slash Y position. Um, and it's Austin Stogner, um, who is just a freaking physical monster. Like he is just a humongous kid. Um, what's he listed at? Is it six, seven on the roster? Yeah. I think it's like I six, think, seven, two forty ish. I think he's on the listed roster. at six, six, two thirty seven. But uh, yeah. okay. Right. So like, still yeah. like very, he's going to be like two sixty five in a year. Like he's yeah. 18 year old. Yeah. A massive human being. And like, you know, thinking back to the spring game, I mean, he had, Maybe the most impressive catch of the night, other than maybe that long Trajan Bridges catch down to the like one yard line. But um, he had a great back, like kind of back shoulder catch from Jalen Hurts. Yeah, on the sideline, that was a great play. He had another nice catch over the middle. Like I, to me, Austin Stogner is going to be maybe not this year because I mean, the two guys in front of him are going to play a lot. But yeah. I think eventually Austin Stogner is going to be like the best like possession guy on third down that we've like ever had yeah. because he's so big. He's such a reliable, like in terms of his hands, he doesn't drop passes. Um, he's not like a ridiculous athlete by any means. Like he's not fast. He's not really quick either. Like he doesn't have like that type of what, physical yeah. So those guys, they always talk about like body control as like one of his best attributes. Right. He really knows how to use his body. So. Yeah. And he's one of those guys that he's, he's going to be able to box out people, you know, like yeah. they throw the ball up and he just kind of puts his butt into somebody and creates the space that way. You know what I mean? So I think that that, you know, it might not come come across this year as a guy that's going to be a future monster at that position yeah. but i feel pretty confident that that will come eventually yeah i agree i agree um and this is what i'm talking about when i say like grant calcaterra like it will become apparent that he does not have nfl size when he is next to an 18 year old who dwarfs him right sure yeah exactly because i mean there are a lot of guys that are Austin Stogner size in the NFL. Like that's, yeah. you know, he's not, you know, by no means is he too big to be an NFL tight end. There are many guys with that kind of size. So yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't think Grant Calcaterra is an NFL tight end. I think he might find a role as like a slot receiver or something, but yeah, I don't see that for, for Grant. Um, now we're back to shitting on Grant Calcaterra. Awesome. Um, Let's quickly, let's get to the, let's get to some recruiting stuff at this position because, you know, this is one of those spots where it's just, we've got the guy we wanted and we're done now. Um, Jalen Conyers, I think from Groover, Texas, small school in Texas, um, committed to Oklahoma pretty recently. Um, and this guy, I think he is more talented than anybody on the team currently. Uh, that includes Austin Stogner. Um, he is a more explosive athlete, I think, than any of the guys that are there currently. Um, he's got size. Yeah, I think he's, what, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, right now? Yeah. Probably about 215, yeah. 220. Rivals calls him 6'5", 220. Make of that yeah. what you will. Right. Like, that he's guy... The proto- he's the prototype size. Exactly. Like, that is... 
the kind of guy you want at this position. He's going to be able to do a little bit more down the field than Grant Calcaterra and Austin Stogner were doing. And I also think he's got the ability to be pretty good in possession as well. Um, so yeah. I think and he's like the he's, best athlete also, like the mix of yeah. size and athlete. He's a great athlete. Like he's a guy that honestly, if I could really pick where I want, I would love him to be an outside linebacker on this team mm-hmm. because I think he's got that kind of athleticism and skill. And, you know, if you watch this high school tape, he plays like freaking safety and outside linebacker and he mm-hmm. looks incredible well, moving out there. Dude did o- basically everything here. And OU initially was recruiting him as an outside linebacker until uh, Drew Sanders decommitted and uh, flipped to Alabama. So, right. And um, then, though, you started recruiting him as a tight end. Um, Which, can yeah. we talk just real quick? They should have had that flipped, by the way. Yeah. See, Drew Sanders, yeah, I agree. Drew Sanders, to me, was a good, a pretty good tight end prospect and was an elite linebacker prospect. Yeah. Um, so. And I think that it, for Conyers, he's like a really good both. You mm-hmm. know, he's a really I good think, tight end prospect, yeah. but he's like a really good outside linebacker, but not as high level as Drew Sanders yeah. as an outside linebacker. So, but I think yeah. he's a better tight end. Agree. Yeah, strangely. absolutely. So it's yeah, like he's just get, a little bit more fluid of an athlete, I feel like. Yeah, it's like they got a better tight end prospect randomly. Maybe not as mm-hmm. good of a um, – if they could have them at their preferred position, like, overall – Maybe not yeah, as good Sanders of a is the highest level. Yeah, right. absolutely. But at the position they're at, it's like I, I think Conyers is a better player. Though Agreed. it kind of sickens me that Sanders is going to be at Alabama because I just know he's going to be awesome and it's going to suck, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it kind of sucks. Good luck it, to him, but uh, it's going to make me sick. So It, <laughs> it kind of feels like if Sanders had come around a year later, we might have been able to hold on to him, you know, mm-hmm. because we would have had something to sell defensively, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Mark we just couldn't compete. We could not compete on that level um, for him. Right. Yeah. But um, Conyers um, huddle highlight mm-hmm. reel, yeah, and it's like the least informative highlight <laughs> yeah, reel I've ever seen. Because he plays a lot a of quarterback. Of yeah, yeah, it's it's the one where you know every snap they uh, you, they highlight where he is with a circle, and it's really necessary. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because he could be anywhere. Um, because it just looks like, you know, like if you've got like a flag football team and there's one guy who's actually athletic on the team. And so just, yeah. you just let them do whatever's important on that possession. Right. That is what Groover, uh, high school football it's like gives spike the ball on the little giants. Like, yeah. Well, and the thing about it is I'm pretty sure they played for the state championship last year. What right. class? Do you know what class they're in? I don't even it's, know. I think it's like 2A. So pretty small. Know. Yeah. But the fact that like he is their team and their team is very good is yeah. a good sign. You know, like right. that kid can play, you know. So um, I, I'm really, I'm really, really excited about what he can do in this yeah. offense for Honestly, sure. Honestly, for Just a, a jump that, pass. For a so team fun. Yeah. For a town that's like a thousand people, that's bigger than I honestly would have expected. You know, to me, yeah. a thousand people is like eight man. So they must like right. they must be getting kids from like the surrounding area also or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Um, okay, so we didn't talk. We didn't talk about H backs last time, did we? No, we didn't. I, I don't think so. Okay, I think we should throw them in here with this one because this has been a pretty just all two and a half group. hour podcast. 
Uh, yeah, but there hasn't been anything else to talk we're not about. Gonna, yeah. So we're not going to have another. We're not going to have another place to put H backs. Honestly, yeah, yeah and I, you don't want to put them with offensive line. Um. So I think the you know the guy that's most experienced at this position is Jeremiah Hall. Um, we all remember him from the Texas mm-hmm. Tech game where he saved our ass. Jer- who was down. left for dead this time last year. Yeah. People were like, this guy sucks. He's going to transfer. And this isn't yeah. just like fans, like reporters were saying right. this sort of thing. This podcast was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The reporters were saying he is awful. Like, uh, right. <laughs> and it's bizarre. Like, I've never seen, you know, such kind of blatant um, just toss him off <laughs> off the side, especially like a redshirt right. freshman. But well, and so. I- Go ahead. <laughs> this, this is this is going back to uh, Jalen Conyers, but I just wanted to establish that Groover High School had an enrollment of 136 in the 2016-2017 school year. Holy crap! All grades. That's pretty small. Yeah. yeah. Wow. He is the man there. Then. Wow, that's crazy. Um. Yeah, I think that Jeremiah Hall really fell victim to the guys that came before him yep, at that position. So like the last two guys that they recruited to play like him were starting as a true freshman and started for four years and there was just never any questions whenever they were there mm-hmm. um and that just didn't come together for him you know first of all he came in as a freshman and dimitri flower still existed at yeah. ou um so he was obviously never going to play that year but um you know i know i expected him to probably you know get on the field some but it just didn't happen um and then last year carson meyer played really well like Carson Meyer was a really good player right um, and he was like sure damn did. downfield catches <laughs> <laughs> yeah Carson Meyer brought a di- like he brought a different element he was a bigger guy like six foot six six seven like he was a better blocker he was yeah. a better receiver down the field like there were a lot of positives that Carson Meyer brought that Jeremiah Hall just couldn't match so I don't think mm-hmm. we should necessarily take the fact that he wasn't playing over Carson Meyer yeah. as like an indictment on him as a player. Carson you know? Meyer is a tight end that just happened to play H back. Like exactly. <laughs> he wasn't a yeah. traditional H back. Um, for sure. Yeah, like, for sure. I think Jeremiah Hall, I mean, to me, Jeremiah Hall had some good moments. Like you mentioned the Texas tech thing. He caught a, you know, a really important wheel route against tech that honestly, I mean, that was a huge play in the game. It was a crucial third down conversion. Uh, I mean, he showed he had a good long run in the spring game, like the spring game, but still, I mean, he's had some decent moments. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't ever expect him to be Dimitri Flowers, but I can certainly see him being, you know, a steady, decent piece of the team. Uh, it, it, someone that catches the occasional third down pass, you know, he's in there on blocking. But I mean, it, I don't expect, you know, Trey Millard or Flowers, but, you know, with the other guy that could be potentially, you know, sharing this H-back role with them, I'm not as concerned about it because... Right. That guy, I think, has more of the athletic upside. Yeah, so that guy is Braden Willis, and he is more similar to Dimitri Flowers, I would say, um, than Jeremiah Hall. Um, he's a He was a more natural receiver in high school. He played mm-hmm. like pretty much inline tight end. Um, he played inline he, tight end at OU for the first, right. uh, his first year. Yeah, inline tight end and even some inside receiver. And then they moved him to H-back yeah. because they thought he could get on the field quicker, which was right. a smart thing to do. I I expect him to be the starter this year, if I'm being honest. Like, I, I like Jeremiah Hall, but I, I think Braden Willis, like you said, has the athletic upside. Mm-hmm. And he has the, 
you know, the receiving ability that I think they really like from that position that I'm not sure Jeremiah Hall has. Um, I almost you know, I, expect him to be like the offensive newcomer candidate, even if he's not like, because I don't know how much an H-back can really be that, but um, right. I think he's going to have a lot of big plays that maybe don't accumulate to like eye-popping stats, but anyone that actually follows the team closely knows how valuable. Like, If you're a national person and you looked at Dimitri Flowers at OU, he was just a guy. But if you actually watched OU week in and week out and followed the team, like you knew how crucial Dimitri Flowers was to that team. And so I, I think... Braden Willis, he probably won't be at that level immediately, but I think um, he'll be someone that fills that role and fills that importance level um, in the beginning stages. Maybe like in 2015, Dimitri Flowers, you know, had the catch against Baylor. You know, he kind of had those sophomore level, uh, sophomore season kind of breakout moments. You can kind of see what's coming. We alluded, alluded to that earlier of, you know, the freshman receivers, they may, this may not be their year, but you can see um, what they're building toward in the future. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I'm really excited about Braden Willis at H back. I thought that was a great decision to move him there. And, you know, you talked about making big plays and generally the plays that Dimitri flowers made were big in big games. Yeah, like he always. It was like they saved it, and like just when the defense would forget about that position, it was like, oh, we're actually going to hit it for a touchdown now. So yeah, well, um, cause, I cause could see that position, happening. It's a position that most teams don't have, so most teams don't right. take into account. So if you have all of a sudden have a guy that can run and that can catch at that position, who's which is usually just a, you know, a big guy that kind of lumbers around and blocks. Like if all of a sudden they're outrunning the Ohio State secondary, you know that's something yeah. that most teams, you know, can't throw out there. And so against the in those games, like against Georgia, against Ohio State, where it's a pretty even match all over the field, all of a sudden that you know super athletic H back becomes someone that can create mismatches because it's something that most teams just don't have a counter for unless they have a you know, a first rounder at safety or something. So, or a linebacker that can really run like, uh, Georgia did even, and even against Georgia, Dimitri flowers had a good game. So yeah. I think they have anyway, it's just, it's so hard to account for it when you've got guys like CD lamb yeah. surrounding him, you know, it's, it's, if, it's pretty ridiculous. So if all your, I think, if all your pressure is on those receivers, then somebody, somebody's going to be open and the full bet or the H back is a pretty good candidate to be that. So, if you have yeah. someone that can take advantage of it, then, you know, more power to you. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah, I don't see OU abandoning, abandoning, abandoning that position anytime soon. Oh. And that goes with who they are bringing in, in the 2020 recruiting class. And, uh, Michael Henderson is the guy committed right now. Mm-hmm. And I think this guy's the best H back we've ever signed or committed. Like mm-hmm. I, this guy's, ridiculously good for sure like yeah he might not be he might not wind up having the career dimitri flowers had but in terms of potential his potential is significantly higher than dimitri flowers or trey Millard. i'm just straight up straight up is it's kind of strange because of you know he had the opportunity at not a level a place like ou but at like a maybe a baylor or 
you know, certainly maybe somewhere like a North Texas. I don't, I don't think North Texas actually offered it, but somewhere of that caliber, he probably could have played quarterback, but he decided to play H back at OU, which is such is you know most kids don't want to block and <laughs> you know get the ball thrown to him maybe three times a game, you know that sort of thing. So it's it kind of reminds me not of the same decision, but um, as far as positions go, but Trey Millard committing to OU instead of Missouri, where he was offered as a linebacker, you know, a more star potential position. To he he just wanted to play H back at OU. I think yeah. he's he's the most athletic guy. He's had an ACL tear, but his base athleticism I think is the highest. He's mm-hmm. you know he's six two, he's two hundred twenty pounds, six two or whatever. He can run really well. He's going to have to learn how to block. So he's probably he's almost certainly a redshirt candidate. But um, I, oh, I it'll be really you, you think so? Yeah, I, I think, think he'll play. I think he'll I play. I think for his knee as much as anything. Uh, but you know he'll be at that point he'll be over a year removed from it. So oh, yeah. he'll be ready. So I think he'll be fine. Um, so Michael Henderson's the kind of guy that if he were committed as a running back, I wouldn't be that upset about it. I mean, I wouldn't be like over the moon, like, oh, he's going to be an amazing running back. But like, it would make sense to me at least a little bit. Like, yeah. okay, I he's, see some ability. He's like Shewo Alana Lua, except right. a better athlete. Yeah, yeah. It'd be that kind of guy. He's just more fluid. He's got better change of direction. Yeah. Um, so he could be I, a receiver, that kind of thing. I love this kid. I, lo- I think he's going to be great. I think he's going to be a guy that, you know, more than any other guy we've had, you know, if he's out in the slot playing, like he's going to look more natural in that position. And Dimitri Flowers looked great out there. Like it's not that it was mm-hmm. bad, but he's going to look like a guy that, like, oh, he's just a big slot receiver. Yeah. yeah. He's going to be like a 6'2, 235 guy that can run really well. <laughs> it's going to be. Yeah. And with Lincoln, you know, that's the thing. Whenever we get these kind of weird tool, they remind me of like in baseball, like utility players, like you you just line them up somewhere. Um, just knowing that you have Lincoln and his creativity, that's the exciting part because you know um, that it's not, if there's somewhere for them to take advantage of, most likely Lincoln's going to find it. And it's kind of the opposite of what like we've seen on defense because you're just hoping that somehow they don't get wasted on defense, but on offense, you can say like, well, if there's a, if there's a scrap there, Lincoln's going to use it, you know. So it's 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 exciting to think about all the mismatches and where they're going to line up and all that sort of stuff um, with these guys that maybe not at you know at Texas or at A uh, and M or these other places um, would be as success as successful. The Texas did offer Michael Henderson. But at OU, um, with with Lincoln Riley, it's uh, you just feel more. Co- I feel just personally, I feel more comfortable that they're going to be put in positions to succeed, um, even if they're not as cookie cutter of a body type or as cookie cutter of a a role player as you know more traditional uh, prospects. Yeah, I think between. Like you've got him, you've got Brian Darby, and you've got Jalen Conyers all in the same class. Yeah, that's yeah. To me, like last year, you know, the kind of the, you know, you had the Rattler, and then you had the three wide receivers, and that was kind mm-hmm. of like the identity of the class. Yeah, and like, or especially on the offensive side of the ball, and you know, I think this year it might be the identity, be the 
the like the running backs and the just ridiculous versatile big athletes yeah, that we sign offensively mm-hmm. you know right. like that that's the identity that i see so well rivals um, even had like an article like a national article it's like is lincoln right like that was basically along those lines of like is ou becoming you know utility position used like <laughs> they just keep taking guys of that could play four different spots and just said oh we'll figure it out once they get here um, yeah, right. Well, for sure. that's the sort of that's the sort of thing you can do when you have a year like last year, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you have you have some flexibility, right? Because you know you bring in all these incredible prototypical guys, and then now you find oddballs and mismatches. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, that's probably as good a place as any to leave uh, this. this- this Real quick, shout out time. to Kobe. Real quick, shout out Kobe Tillman and his hair. Just want to oh, Kobe Tillman's him. hair. <laughs> yeah, let's. Yeah, actually, really quickly, let's talk about who's going to take over the Joe Castiglione Jr. spot on the roster. Oh Jesus! Yeah the <laughs> the five the five ten 190 pound fullback. Right. Um, unfortunately, Ben Corwin, like... your time is now. <laughs> Yeah. Unfortunately, move it looks like it, all of the uh, all of the non mentions um, in the fullback slot are like at least fullback size now. Okay. Shout out to Josiah Markham's uh, just really immaculate um, like '80s high school sitcom hair. Um, hmm. I had to look him up. Josiah Markham. Yeah. Anyway. I right. believe it. Oh, yep, there he is. Yep, found him. Uh, so yeah, uh, I do think that that is probably a good place to cut it. We're approaching two hours. Yeah, slightly under two hours right now. So we'll we'll leave you guys with that. That was a good cover of we like we've now done all of the offensive skill positions. Um, so you know we can do the line and then maybe start looking at the defense moving forward. Uh, football's getting closer, slowly but surely. Um, and we'll be back with more uh, later on to get you more ready for it. Uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, you can subscribe to it on iTunes, uh, the Google Play Store, or on Podbean. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at RWMaxi, at Alex P. Purdy. And uh, Nathan doesn't want you to follow him. <laughs> that's that's a joke. <laughs> Nathan's account is on private. Um, you can, you, can you're, you are free to click uh, follow. I just... No guarantee is acceptance. Just throw that out there. Right. And I'm not even going to give you his handle. It's, <laughs> you have uh, to search. <laughs> yeah, if you want to follow Nathan on Twitter, and by all means do, yeah. but you're going to have to work for it. If, if uh, it's meant to be, you have to, yeah, you'll stumble upon it. Right, right. Go on this journey. <laughs> um, and I think that's about where we're going to leave you guys. Um, if you're interested, I did uh, recently put another article up on the Oklahoma Drill blog. It's basketball related, and it's basically just me complaining about everybody getting too excited about Russell Westbrook to the Rockets. Um, And uh, with that, I think we're done, and we'll probably talk to you guys again sometime next week.